May I just add my welcome to you all, uh, to Christ Church today. And for those joining us online, this is not just about um, joining the service, but participating in the service. Uh, my name is Emmanuel Bakey, curate. And we today will, as introduced, we continue with in our current series, uh, asking the question, what makes life worth living? And today, we, the consideration is on family. Let us pray. Father, we ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts will be pleasing in your sight. Amen. I would like to start by getting you to do a, a quick exercise. Just keep the answers to yourself. Uh, I'm, I want to give us a list of four relationship priorities, and I want you to rank them in the order that um, you consider to be the right order, given one the highest uh, score, and then two, three, and four. Do that mentally. You can write it if you choose to. Uh, I wouldn't test you, I, I promise you. Who are my mother and my brothers? No one came into this world by themselves. And everyone has someone that they can call a member of their family. Whether it is parents or siblings, family is one of the most precious things that we can have in life. Family is God's good gift to us. And within it, Children are raised, and we know that scripture enjoins actually that husbands and wives should be faithful to one another, and their children should also be faithful to them. The family therefore forms the foundation, or in fact the fabric of society. And Jesus expects us to value our family. Indeed, in Matthew chapter 15, verse 3 to 4, Jesus questions the Pharisees' lack of commitment to the fifth commandment, to honor your father and your mother. For they were making excuses that they, because they are committed to giving to God, there was no need to give to their parents. In Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, Paul writes that anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially those of their own household, have denied the faith, and they are worse than an unbeliever. In this text today, and I want us to go back to that text read to us, from verse 31 to 35, we encounter 
Jesus and what he said about his earthly family, the kind of encounter that we may regard as an awkward family moment, but which nevertheless gives us a very encouraging picture of Jesus' love for us. Here we see Jesus redefining the concept of family. His mother and brothers, thinking he's, he's out of his mind, have come to bring him back to Nazareth. That we see in verse 21, 20 and 21 of that same chapter. Then Jesus entered the house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. Perhaps their concern was born out of, need, out of the need to protect or support his needs for food, rest, and recreation. For here we can see that they couldn't actually eat because of the pressing need to preach the gospel. In contrast, a large group fills a home listening to Jesus teach. Jesus declares that it is this audience this particular audience, those who do God's will, who are his family. Verse 35. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Not the people who are related to him by blood. Jesus' statement was countercultural and his audience must have been shocked because ancient Mediterranean farm society had a strong group culture. The health and survival of the group took priority over the goals of individual members. Loyalty to family was the most important relational quality expected of anyone. In saying what Jesus said, he wasn't rejecting his earthly family. He clearly did love and cared for them. The text isn't about any kind of separation that Jesus had with his flesh and blood family. But rather, it shows us that he had a set of family relations that was deeper and more eternal. Flesh and blood family relationship is one that is only temporal and it ends at death. But the relationship that Jesus enjoys and shares with his followers is eternal. It is a superior relationship that our flesh and blood family members 
can also enter into and share. Jesus' spiritual family are those who do the will of his father. Just before he died on the cross, one of the last things he did in John chapter 19, verse 26 and 27, was to say to Mary, his mother, Woman, here is your son, pointing at the beloved disciple John. And to the disciple, he said, Here is your mother. From that time on, we are told, this disciple took her into his home. So he cared for his mother. I think as we discuss family today, we must take a step back and think about the problems that we can encounter. First, people sometimes try to approach Jesus spiritually in a similar way as his family did. They might think that they have a right to Jesus' attention because they grew up in a Christian home. They had a long-term relationship with the church. They had gone to a Christian school. They had done good deeds. They have prayed the rosary. They have a Christian heritage. They live in a country with a Christian history. These aren't the kind of things that can earn you relationship with him. Rather, it is by doing the will of his father. In his sermon on the mount, Jesus said, not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Matthew 7, verse 21. And you can't do the will of God without first believing, receiving, and abiding in God. The second thing we must be aware of is idolatry. We need to be careful not to allow the family become a God in our lives. Whilst family is a good gift from God, we must avoid the idolatry of making our natural family what defines us. We should neither engage in self-adulation and down through the ages, Many believers have pointed to their natural families as the primary identity marker rather than to God. We are called to honor God, not to seek to please men. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 17, Paul writes, But let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Thirdly, we may carry emotional wounds from the dysfunctional nature of our families. 
Please understand this. Many families indeed try to do their very best, but they fail because of the fallen nature of humanity. In a sinful world, all kinds of things, evil, happen to people. Sadly, some families have been really abusive. Arguments, unkind words, bitterness, jealousy, disagreement, quarrels, and so on. But I recognize that some of us actually may have had better experiences. But either good or bad, is there a better way? Whatever your experience may have been, either positive or negative, in your family, remember that. One, in Christ, we receive new life and forgiveness of sins. We become his brothers and sisters. He makes us new creation and takes away the old. Christ fulfills our deepest human need for relationships. In him, we receive a new identity by his spirit living in us. Two, in Christ, we become a new family, the church. He places us in a loving community where he is the head. Jesus died for us and his church is called to be loyal to God and to God's family. At our gatherings, just like this big one, or in smaller groups, home groups, activity groups, we get to develop meaningful relationships with Christians of all ages. Just look around here. Just look around. Intergenerational, isn't it? And we're drawn from all time, from different socioeconomic and ethnic backgrounds. Here in this mix, we have married, we have single, we have, just name it, one big family of God. Paul tells Timothy to treat church members as fathers, brothers, mothers, and sisters. 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2. And that is exactly what we are here. Hallelujah. Remember, it, is, it was a third century theologian called Cyprian of Carthage who said, he who does not have the church for his mother cannot have God for his father. So this here are the mothers here, are the fathers, are the brothers, are the sisters. We become family, true faith and true obedience to God. And that makes us a spiritual family which is deeper and a more profound relationship than flesh and blood could be. Thirdly, 
God's faithfulness. As we come to understand God's faithfulness to us, demonstrated through the ages, and in particular, Christ's death and resurrection, his rescue plan for us, executed fully, taking us out of slavery to sin and death and setting us free. He calls us to walk in loyalty to him as we have received from him new life in its fullness, indeed eternal life. We are one big family of God in his kingdom. We experience enriching fellowship together. As with our natural family, though, which we have noted can be imperfect, some may have been wounded in church as well. But we must, in spite of our experiences in that regard, Turn our eyes to Jesus who satisfies the hunger in your heart and in my heart and feels the spiritual desire for meaning and purpose in life. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself, such a person cannot be my disciple. The word for hate is a Hebrew idiom that means to love less. It is a relative term meaning not to honor or privilege something above something else. In other words, Jesus must be number one priority in your life above even family and your own life. So profound, isn't it? I wonder if you are to rethink what is up there, whether indeed your attempt will be different from this particular one. This exercise was done by another church and this was how they first initially rated their priorities. Will it still be this? We'll find out. Let me know if yours is different from this for I have a different one for you. So, I think this is how it should be. God and his family, my family and others, based upon what we have heard. While our natural families are still the most significant, most significant relationships, earthly relationships we have, we must learn to situate our natural families under the rule of the family of God, not as competitors, 
but as members of the same family. Your relationship with God is the most important aspect of your life. It is out of this relationship that your love for others should flow. Are you Christ's brother and sister? In ending, I want to make two calls, actually. There are people who perhaps are still wondering. They do not have that inner confidence that they belong to the family of God. And I will encourage you, actually, to find time to pray to open up yourself to Jesus and ask him to forgive you your sins and make you a child of God. The second call I want to make as the team come up is to say to you that no matter what hurt you carry, either from your natural family or from your spiritual family, that indeed there is healing. I'm, I'm grateful that the many churches are put, have put into place safeguarding, protection, stuff around to look after people. But if you're still struggling, may I encourage you to seek help, psychological treatment that can help you to deal with some of the issues that you have suffered. And of course, here we have the prayer area. At the end of the service, I'll encourage you to come so someone can pray along with you. Let us pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you because you have places in families. You've, you've given us this beautiful family here at Christ Church where we can uh, look after one another, encourage one another, support one another. Lord, as we look and turn our eyes to you today, we just ask, Father, that your spirit will be at work here, bringing about the very best that you have in stock for us. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.